The late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Watch Less Complex's TV and Movie Podcast. I'm your host, The Summer Man. Of course, we have Cal on here, Big Deputy. You're what's good? And we are still coming to you live from the crib. Yeah, Corona season full effect. Um, I don't know if we're getting these Corona checks yet, but the work hasn't stopped. So hopefully, Complex is still cutting whatever checks. Please the content fire. does not slow up. Big facts. This week. We got an interesting episode. Uh, later on, we're gonna we're actually gonna be joining the families of the complex original podcast. Oh tour. shit! Wait, this is like the biggest crossover episode we've done. I don't think people people are not ready for what's gonna happen with this. We're gonna be talking Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, maybe get into some season ranking. You know, we've got some of the uh, the biggest talkers giving their hot takes on not just season ten, but where season 10 sits with the rest of the curb legacy. Um, but before that, we've got a very, very special guest. Uh, we got to link with during the quarantine. Uh, she called in shouts out to Taraji P Henson. Uh, you know, you know her as cookie. You probably know her most famously as cookie from, uh, from empire, but she's been in everything. You know, she <laughs> baby boy. I, mean, I think there's no baby boy. Baby boy, literally on BET every five hours. It's Jody. <laughs> what a classic, though. But I mean, she's been in everything, you know, Hustle and Flow, Four Brothers, two films that, you know, are having a big anniversary this year. Um, Hidden Figures, huge film. Um, she, but this week, she's going to be starring in Netflix's Coffee and Kareem, which is a, a, a an adult action comedy with the likes of Ed Helms. Uh, uh, actress currently rising in my rankings, Betty Gilpin is in it, um, among a, a number of others. Uh, a raucous comedy, if you will, with a lot of action, a lot of violence, uh, and a lot of humor. And Taraji, you know, does what Taraji does best in the film. I mean, you can't go wrong with uh, with shit talking little kid, you know. And that kid talks a lot of shit. It's a cheat but, code. I mean, it, it it is what it is. It's one of those films that like. You know, you're not going to be looking for it to blow you away, but for, you know, a good 90 minutes in and out during the quarantine, it's a lot of laughs. There's a lot of action. Thanks. People like that shit. People like that shit. So, yeah, we talk with Taraji about that, but we also, it's an interesting conversation because she goes into a little about her future. You know, she's looking to, you know, do some things that you might not normally see from the woman who blew up because of Cookie. You know what I'm saying? Right. She also does, you know, a little bit of a check-in regarding her quarantine situation, being locked down in Chicago, as well as, you know, just what it's like for actors to see themselves on TV and like actually study a project that they've not been associated with since they've made it. Oh, that's pretty interesting to me. So, like I said, we're going to be talking Curb. Stay for Curb. You know, we're, you we're, have to stay for Curb. 
We love Taraji. We had we, we had to get Taraji on because Coffee and Kareem is coming out. Hopefully, when the quarantine is done, we can actually sit face to face with whatever project she's working on in the future. Um, and yeah, join that conversation after this quick break. Late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. They were saying that out of all the states, Chicago is being the most obedient, like we're staying in. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm out here in New York, and uh, they are not being obedient. <laughs> Jeez. Well, I know New Yorkers are hard-headed. They're being hard-headed down in Florida, which angers me because that's where my mom is. You know, that's where a lot of the elders go to retire. And you got these young, reckless kids down there just doing whatever the hell. They don't care. It's just no one takes it serious until it directly affects them, and that's what's so annoying. Facts. Right. 100%. Uh, yeah. So before we before we hopped off, you were talking about just rituals that you've been using to uh, to just keep your sanity and stay stay positive. Yeah, you know, I have a um, an incredible meditation altar that I I love my altar because I like to put add little things to it, and so I I have a we have an extra not an extra but we have another unit right next door to us that we were going to combine and make one big unit, but mm-hmm. um, now. We got to go back to LA. So I was like, mm, I'm just going to rent them out. So we have an empty unit next to us, and I've been. I, we moved all of our gym equipment over there, Peloton bike, and all the mats and weights and everything. And I took my altar over there and my sauna blanket and massage table. So that's literally when I wake up and I go over there in the morning. I meditate, I work out, and then I get in the sauna blanket. Just so I feel like I'm going somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but next door, but it's a change of scenery. You know, yeah. got to play tricks on your mind right now. Right. Are are you taking the time to check out any scripts that you might not have had time to get to earlier? Oh, God, yes. So many scripts I've read. I passed on a lot of things. Two (laughs) things I like. Um, We're putting things into motion with those two projects. And um, just I've been doing a lot of meditating, a Mm. lot of stillness. Um, I've have turned my bathroom into a salon. You know, I launched my hair product line this mm-hmm. year in January. And so I've been doing videos to promote and explain and give tutorials about the products. And I've been, you know, going back to some of my old roots. Like I used to do um, manicures and um, acrylics when I was in college. And so I learned how to do gels on my nails. And so... <laughs> I've been giving my, you know, saying my son had a cure and manicure practicing on me. I know they're sick of me. And uh, just trying to stay busy. That's awesome. <laughs> Keeping my mind busy. Yeah, I mean, shit. Speaking of busy, I mean, Coffee and Kareem is 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 hitting Netflix ASAP. Can you uh talk to this? I mean, it's an interesting film because it is so you know it's such a a. a black comedy it's so much adventure and action can you talk about what was it about coffee and kareem that drew you to the project that's action comedy i've done comedy before but i've never done an action comedy Mm -hmm. you know 
that drew me. But before that, I just saw the breakdown. My my, I was working, you know, of course, on Empire, and I get this email, and I just see Ed Helms comedy Netflix. I said, "Yes, I'll do it." Hung up. And, <laughs> I mean, I, just, I sent him an email. I said, "Yes, I'll do it," and I hadn't even read it yet. Mm-hmm. But I just saw com action comedy Ed Helms and Netflix, and I said, "I'm going to do it." Uh-huh. And I knew I wasn't a lead. I knew I was supporting. I don't mind supporting. I don't have to lead every film. That's a lot of work. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. I just in and have a little fun and get out. You know? I was, was going to say, I mean, you, oh, um, you you get the shine in the, in the supporting role as well. You have a, a, a very big kick-ass scene, you know, tor- tor- in, in a, a very pivotal moment of the film. Right. I wasn't expecting that, but also wasn't surprised. Yeah, but the thing about it is sometimes the fun is in the supporting role. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, a lot of these young guys, I want to be the star. I want to be the star. Okay, well, you can have that because the fun is in this role right here. You know, yeah. so sometimes... You know, I look for what's going to challenge me. I look for things that I, I haven't done before. And sometimes it's not always in that leading role. Sometimes it's in the supporting role, you know. And mm-hmm. I'm open. I love to act. I love the craft back thing. I'm never going to not do independent films. I'm never not going to do theater. I love the craft of acting. Every genre, every form, all of it. And so, you know, you might you'll see me pop up in an indie. You'll see me pop up maybe number four or five on the call sheet, you know, or maybe mm-hmm. a cameo. I just, you know, things that I'm always looking for things that interest me, things that I can put a different spin on, things that I can really bring to life and make these kids pop off the page that maybe they wouldn't necessarily because Taraji didn't play it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. But mm-hmm. I just know what I can add to certain things when I, when I see it. I don't feel like I can add any value to it in my past. So what is your um, strategy when it comes to picking roles and and deciding that where you're going to take on? Because I'd also imagine that being on Empire doesn't leave you a lot of time to uh, do other things throughout any given year. So you probably have to be really uh, specific about what you want to go for. Yeah, like after, after Empire, I told my team, I said, comedy. Comedy is where is that? Look at this world. People want to laugh. You know, I've done a lot of serious stuff. You want to see me serious? Go watch my stuff. You know, stuff I've done already. But I'm really interested in comedy because, you know, that's what I moved out to L.A. to do. I moved out to L.A. over 20 years ago to get on a sitcom because I was a single mother. Mm-hmm. And that schedule was conducive to be being a single mom. But that's not how, you know, God has a funny sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> So I started off. I started off doing sitcoms on television, guest appearances on Smart Guy, Sister Sister, things like that. And then I booked Baby Boy, and after that, everything was very serious. Mm. Every all the movies I did was very serious. And so I'm trying to get back to my com- comedic roots. I don't think, you know, I think people know now, but it took a long time. I was like, she's funny because I would put funny in all of my serious mm. roles. But you know, if you're not in an actual comedy, then they, you know. This, the, the industry won't see you as a comedic actress. You right. know, if you're not a stand-up actor or you haven't been in comedies, then they don't see the funny. It's like, but I'm funny as hell. Did you see Queenie and, and, and Benjamin Bunch? She was funny. Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> But, and, and again, like you said, even with the uh, the serious work, you still put a lot of comedy. And I think, you know, watching Empire, for me, Cook, Cookie's a, a, a bad motherfucker, but, like, she's also hilarious the way she takes down people. Um for a character like that, you know, with, with Empire getting towards, you know, the, the, the end of its time, how does it feel to say goodbye to Cookie and to the series? 
I mean, it's bittersweet. You know, um, she, Cookie, oh, transformed my career. Like, she she made me a pop star, mm-hmm. right? I had been doing this, you know, I've been doing this. And I kind of was, like, surviving, and I was doing it, everything under the radar. No one, I like, they, the people knew me, but they didn't, like, know me, know me. You know, they, they'd be like, that's that girl from, she did this, this. I didn't really become a for real, full-on household name mm-hmm. until Cookie. And she took me international. I always thought my big movies would. I thought Benjamin Button would take me international. I thought Karate Kid, for sure. We mm-hmm. filmed in China for three months, would take me international. It didn't. Yeah. And it wasn't until I did a television show and Cookie, and I was like, wow. Wow. I never saw that coming. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I, I was I was always paying attention to the names. If you ever look at... Um, IMDb or box office mojo and you're looking at numbers overseas mm-hmm. the names of the actors who translate overseas their names are typed in blue mm-hmm. if no one knows who you are overseas your name is in black I waited for 20 years for my name to turn blue <laughs> <laughs> and it was Cookie that did it it was Cookie that did it and that just means that you could probably I could probably get a movie greenlit because they could probably get some money overseas to, to finance a film because of me. All you right. see how that works? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? 100%. 100%. Yeah. Now, you recently got in the director's chair I saw for uh, a pretty recent episode. How was that experience? I love it. I fucking love it. I want to do some more. And I, I, I actually like it more than acting. <laughs> oh, wow. I say that because I've done so many roles, you know what I mean? And it's, I'm getting to the point where it's like it takes a lot for me to get interested in stuff. You know what I mean? Like it has to be something that I have not done yet. It has to be something I haven't seen. I'm not interested in. This is sort of like Cookie. I did Cookie. Don't need to do mm-hmm. it yet. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I'm always looking for characters that are going to challenge me, that are going to scare the shit out of me because I've never, you know, done a character like that before. I'm looking for things like that and it's getting harder and harder because I've done so much. 100%. So that's why directing is becoming this thing for me because I love the one thing I love about directing is actually the, the audition process because I know talent when I see it. Oh, wow. And as a producer, yeah, as a producer, casting is half the battle. If now I know how to look and see an actor and I know how to say that actor is a good auditioner because he came in here already prepared. Now, when I give this actor a note and he can't make change, he can't make an adjustment, then he's a great auditioner. Mm-hmm. Some people don't know how to catch that. So then when you get to, when you hire this actor who's a great auditioner, now he comes to say he's going to waste my time as a producer. <laughs> and that yeah. means much. Because now you can't take this adjustment. We on five takes and we could have got this in two. Definitely. So that's why I have now that now I've learned so much producing now. Now I know that as a producer, I have to be in the room hand picking the actors. I have to. Mm-hmm. I have to. It saves money on set. 100%. So are we ever going to see you uh, go full indie movie? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. That's what I'm working up to. I just need to get some more directing. I, I knew I would be good at it because I. I have vision, you know what I mean? I have vision, directors come to set and I show them things that they hadn't seen. I'm like, mm. oh, I didn't see it like that, yeah. You know, so I knew, I know it's in me, um, but it's gonna be interesting to direct 
outside of the comforts of my own home, if you will. You know, mm-hmm. Empire is my home. So everybody there wants me to win and they're setting it up and rolling up a red carpet. I will know that I'm good when I go on a whole nother show that I have nothing to do with. And that's their family. And I'm have to come in and make, make my voice known, you know, make my voice heard. 100%. Um, and I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. Definitely. Definitely. Do you know with Empire, you know, ending and you, you know, looking at more directing, especially in terms of like acting and, and movies and whatnot. Do you also, do, have you thrown out the idea of going back to TV or would you do another TV series in the future? I would do TV. It just has to be right. You mm-hmm. know, it has to be right. It has to be, yeah, I'm a little spoiled, you know, kicked <laughs> doors down, came out with a bang, made a big statement and is legendary. Mm-hmm. You know, it's iconic that show, you know, and so is the character. So, you know, I'm like, I want more work like that on TV. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be on TV just to be on another television show. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's not going to make any noise, then I'll pass. <laughs> Talk about it. Talk yeah, about it. I mean, it's interesting that you say that because also what I've noticed with some of your past movie roles is that, um, you know, they've also been really important factors in the in the representation area. Like, you look at Proud Mary, we hadn't seen a black-led female action movie like that in a while or, you know, what women want took the uh, old movie and flipped that to the female perspective. So it definitely seems like you're picking rules um, that can move that, that bar forward, too. Absolutely. I mean, that art is very powerful. And if you're an artist and you're not using your artistry to move humanity forward, do you know what you're doing? And are you a real artist? Right. Or do you even understand what you're supposed to be doing as an artist? You know what I mean? Yeah. The world changes a lot of its attitude and um, this, its state based off of art, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I know that I, I take what I do as an artist very seriously. I know art can heal because it healed me. It saved me. Mm-hmm. Lord knows where I'd be if I, if I didn't have acting, if I didn't have the craft of acting, if it didn't keep me... You know, because when I was growing up in D.C., it was the drug capital of the world. Mm-hmm. Rayful Edmonds was running D.C., and people was getting shot left and right. And I didn't get caught up in that because I had the arts, you know. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in the hood, <laughs> you yeah. know. But I just, I had the arts, and I was interested, and that's, that's kept me busy. Earlier we talked about, you know, how you were getting through the quarantine, and, you know, you mentioned, you know, art helping people, you know, and, and a lot of people are going to TV and movies to uh, kind of just cope with being locked up in the house all the time. So I'm wondering for you, Taraji, what are you watching currently? Is there any particular shows, new or old, that uh, you've been checking out lately? Well, Ozark came back on. Mm-hmm. So oh. I'm trying to get into that. But every time I try to watch it, I'm, I kind of like fall asleep. But today is the day I'm up, I'm wide awake, I'm well rested. I'm going to try to get into it today. Um, what else have I been watching? Um, I just finished Tiger King. That was bizarre. That was a lot. That was, I finished that yesterday as well. That was a lot. Oh my God. I was like, whoa, but you know what? It took my mind off of what's going on right now. So thanks. (laughs) Um, Let's see what else. I, you know what I watched last night? I watched, um, best of enemies. It was on Showtime. Oh really? I don't watch myself like that. It's easier for me to watch myself when I don't look like myself because mm. I really go wow he is acting her ass off look at her because <laughs> I don't look like myself you know 
So that was that was kind of fun last night to, to sit back and kind of watch that movie. Mm-hmm. That would, would you grade yourself watching it back? I gave myself A plus plus. I was like, because um, what people don't really know is that I was deathly ill during filming that, oh, and wow. I was a trooper. And it was the first time in my 20 some odd year career where I had to miss a day of work. I've never missed a day of work ever. That's amazing. And I remember when I got, when I came to in the hospital, I had IV and everything. I got up and I started pulling the wires off and and they were like, where are you going? I was like, I gotta go work. (laughs) And then my um, makeup artist, cause she went with me to the hospital cause I was, they kept me overnight and she was nervous. So she stayed in the room with me. She was like, um, where, where do you think you're going? I was like, I got to go to work. So she went and got the doctor, and the doctor had to come and sit me down. And go like, mm, you might want to sit down because the uh, <laughs> you go to work, you might not make it. Like, you got to sit down. Jeez. And so, um, but I finished the film. I, you know, thank God I got sick on a Thursday. I was off that one Friday. I got, you know, Monday. I started feeling better. I was still deathly ill, but um, I got through it. And people didn't know that I lost so much weight. And I was sick, <laughs> but I poured my light, my soul into that role. I poured my soul. And I kind of cried a little bit when I watched it last night. That's oh, awesome. Man. That's that's beautiful. Now Can I you- don't know if you're the type to um to to dwell on anniversaries and such, but two classic movies that you were a part of are both turning fifteen this year: um, Hustle and Flow and Four Brothers. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> Damn, time flies. <laughs> Do, do you, wow! Really, fifteen? Yeah. Oh, not me. <laughs> do you plan on going back and maybe like marking those anniversaries by rewatching? Like, do you have you watched Hustle and Flow or Four Brothers in a while? I have not. Mm-hmm. I have not. Um, you know, occasionally I'll turn on television. I'll channel surf and in, in the. I can't, can't remember the last time Hustle and Flow was on, and I actually sat and watched. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But uh, if it comes on, definitely I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I, I love Shug. She was so sweet. She was one of the more mouthier characters of the characters I portrayed. You know, mm. people like to go, oh, "You play such powerful women." I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and Catherine Johnson, her power was in her pencil, not in her mouth. There you go. You know? There you go. I guess I guess people associate that 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 mouth and that power now because of Cookie. But you you actually had that in the bag back in the day. Yeah. All right, Taraji. Well, I did. I did. I did. But Eva, Eva was pretty powerful. <laughs> 100%. All right, Taraji, I think that's our time. I want to thank you for, for taking the time out. It's uh, greatly appreciate you taking the time to sit with us and talk for a bit. Uh, Coffee and Kareem in, in, on your Netflix this Friday. Um, yeah. Are you going to, you plan on doing any watch parties for that? You going to go online and, and, and interact um, with the people? I did. I thought about that. I think I will. I mean, what else am I going to do? I can't <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> there you go. All right. Take care, Taraji. Thank you. Thank you so much, Taraji. And stay safe. Yeah, thanks. Let's get it. Awesome. All right. We're recording. All right. We, we mentioned at the top of the show that there was going to be a, uh, a momentous occasion going on in this episode. I don't I think it's probably the first time that we've had all three of the podcasts that Complex is doing right now in one space. It's taken a lot to make it happen, but uh, 
the, the world's a watch less load management and the complex sneakers podcast are all here to talk curb your enthusiasm what's up everybody how you guys doing now, can, can we, you hear me? Can we? <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a curb episode in itself. <laughs> that was go ahead. Uh, who's on? So, who's on? Let's let's do a roll call. Frazier, can you hear me? Yes. Chops, can you hear yes. me? Yes. Jasmine. Yes. Adam. Indeed. Adam. <laughs> Adam. Adam. You got me. You got me. Okay. Cool. Um, no, we don't have Cal. Oh, Cal. Yo. I hear Cal. I hear Cal. I can't hear Cal. I don't, if Fraser's talking, I don't hear, I don't hear Fraser. Uh, Fraser all right, Cal so Fraser and Cal got the disconnect. That's terrible. That's, oh my God. that's fucking terrible. We got the whole squad on the line, finally, to talk. Not just Curb Season 10, but we'll get into a conversation about where Season 10 sits in the ranking of all 10 seasons of, of Larry David's phenomenal program. So I guess, yeah, we should kick it off. With season ten just wrapping a couple weeks ago, I want to get some opinions. What were you guys feeling? I know it's it felt like it was a better season than season nine, but overall, how did you guys feel about this season? Go. I shit. think. What happened? Did something break? I'm good. Can I oh. hear you? Oh, oh, you said goat. You said goat shit. I thought you said oh shit. <laughs> oh. oh my god sorry this is already a classic episode sorry sorry um, I'll, I'll go first you know i i think very strong I, me and chops were texting i think with frazier i think one of the stronger seasons honestly i think uh episode two was a dud for me that we could go in later yeah. but i think he really brought it like I, I did get texts like from people who were big curve fans saying like this is or one of the biggest season uh one of the best seasons ever so anytime that you have even a few people considering a new season the best season ever, that means that you kind of achieved the high the high standard that Larry David is is known for and that people expect from him season in and season out. Word. Yeah, I think he just had to he had to shake it off a little bit. Season nine was like his first game back, and uh, that was a little shaky, but. 10 was actually the first time he ever um, announced plans to come back so soon, like within a couple of months, I think. So I think he knew he just had to clear the cobwebs and then get back to it. Word. What I was thinking was season nine really didn't live up to the hype. So I think that that made season 10 even better in people's eyes because it was a classic curb season that kind of brought the feeling back to the old days of curb. Restored the feeling. He restored the feeling. Coming Word. off a season that people really like, it was cool, but it didn't really hit at the same level. And ten did, so I think that played into it as well. Season nine was like his kingdom come. <laughs> All right, All right. <laughs> you guys have a Jay Z counter on your on your podcast? yeah, but that like, kingdom, the, the, the title track kingdom kingdom come is fire. Yeah, I'll I'll say for my money, I thought season ten got off to an awesome start. I thought the I thought the premiere was one of the strongest episodes, if not one of the strongest premieres. The the series has had in a while. Um, I kind of felt like it sputtered a little bit at the end. I wasn't a big fan of the finale. Um, Frazier and I had a brief little back and forth about this, and we're apparently we're going to disagree. But I think overall, just a really strong, compact uh, season. And I was laughing my ass off, especially the the early portion, of the first half. And again, I don't, I don't think it was the strongest finish, but yeah, overall, you know, I know we're going to put the rankings out because I helped working on it with you guys. But I would yeah. think that season ten kind of stands. Um, 
on the upper half of of the better season, at least from my perspective. Yeah, I think, uh, and I, I, and I think there was some conversation when we were doing the soft ranking, which we'll get into about why some of us thought it was a little higher than what other people would say. But I think before we get into that, I know Joe mentioned not really liking episode two, but I want to know what what were some of your guys' favorite episodes? I think for me, uh, the 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 trip to Mexico for the wedding was probably one of the funniest things I'd watched so far this year. But let me know what you guys were really fucking with. For me, the ugly section and Elizabeth, Margaret, and Philip back-to-back was the apex of the season for me. The John Hamm episode when he's kind of shadowing Larry because he's playing him in a movie that's upcoming, that episode was amazing. And then the ugly section, hilarious, hilarious. I think that is when I think um, – Frazier, I – think that me and chops texted you like yo this is one of the best written episodes and i think i think you were like "Uh, it doesn't stand up to like season seven or something but this was before you watched this episode that we were talking about and we were like we were watching it live you got to it a little later and the ugly section just hilarious uh nick kroll nick Mm -hmm. kroll guest star and those two back to back were definitely the high points for me i know that um the finale like Adam said, I got a few like meh text after the finale. So, but there was a clump of heat rocks in this season for sure. It's back to back bangers. As no. someone who podcasts with Adam weekly, I'm used to his bad takes. So <laughs> the fact that you say that it got weaker as it went on is fucking ridiculous, bro. Yeah, but as the finale the- wasn't amazing. Okay, okay, but but the the spite stories in the finale is so good. Like that Ryan Jonah, Sean Penn, uh, Mila Kunis, mm-hmm. bro, and like he said, the ham episodes near the end and the fucking ugly section episode with the jet storyline. He, the so- Jets killed a, like that's literally some of the man. best writing that Curb has had. Like we talked about before, so good. Do you think there's an odds? There's a favorite for sure of this season. It feels like it might be the the John Ham or the Ugly Section or or Ugly no. Section. I think. Uh, I think Ugly Section is a better episode, but John Ham is really dope because it um, shows what the show can do with a celebrity cameo. Like especially this late in the mm-hmm. game, like it's not just right. John Ham showing up to be John Ham. Like that's a really ingenious thing, and he really committed to it and like knocked it out of the park. But sure. also, you know what I love from the Ham episode. When she when she's in the hospital and she brings up the first class seat, like amazing. That is, that's like amazing. The, that's the amazing. details hit the a little. Details. Listen, hit a little home. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> relatable content. No, listen. <laughs> the other thing that's really uh, good about the season, I think, that stands out from nine is like nine. You could kind of feel him like almost trying to reverse engineer the shit that made the show classic, like trying to make new catchphrases or new moments. And this one felt more organic with him just like lobbing shit that's hilarious to him out of the park. You think you think that, I mean, there was a six-year time difference literally between eight and nine. Do you think that it was just a lot of cobwebs being shooken off? For sure. Yeah. Had to get back in the groove. Yeah, yeah. I guess it, it, the way people are talking about the ugly section, is it fair to say that that might need to jump into our best 25 episodes of Curb list? I, I think it's damn, up there. I, I, I really think it's up there. Strong contender at the very least. I mean, that's it's a strong it's a strong list, but it's also not been updated since the end of uh, since around the time season nine came out. 
Um, yeah, I don't think we have any season nine on there. I don't know if any season nine goes on there, but we definitely haven't updated it since eight. Adam was killing me for not having Palestinian chicken on there, which I don't know how you know. The fact that you didn't have that episode, which is like piss your pants funny and by far like a certified banger heater classic, whatever fucking moniker you want to put on that episode, it is by far a top five curb episode and you not even having it anywhere on the list was one of the most egregious fuck up yeah. okay god damn <laughs> only, only we can, we can talk about it <laughs> jesus i guess we have to reevaluate that shit now okay. um go ahead cal yeah. yeah one one conversation we kept having i know at least between me and fraser was just how i hate saying this but richard lewis was hilarious but he also just looked like the oldest man yeah. Like anytime my man pulled around the corner in a whip, <laughs> well, terrible. Well, he was kind of the thing that pissed me about the thing that pissed me about season ten is that they had they said Richard Lewis could break a hundred on the golf course, and oh he was beating God. Larry and, and Jeff and all these other guys. <laughs> Richard Lewis is a fucking walking skeleton. Okay, if he swung a club, his arms would disintegrate and fall out of their sockets. All right, I want some believability here. So you can't have Richard Lewis, who was barely being propped up with the fucking strings and steroids walking around like a goddamn skeleton. You can't have Richard Lewis winning golf co- uh, golf match. Well, he was sick one season. Little, he? I have one little feedback for Larry. Well, he was sick one season, and he kind of looks as yeah, yeah, silly this season. Yeah, as he but did I mean, I don't. It's, it's, it was a storyline, right? It, I think it makes it funny, though. I mean, the fact because he's he's pulling like multiple women. You know, he, again, he, he's yeah. mur- he's she's a whole cheater on the golf course, and I think even that yeah. the whole the whole conceit of my man getting robbed. And Larry finding out the, what the, the the angle of the club or classic. I don't know. It, it, yeah. It's funny because he's so old, but it also made for some really dope moments. Really dope moments. Was anybody a bigger MVP other than Larry, like a side character, than JB this season? Because I thought JB was just fucking perfect. He was incredible. locked in. Like oh, he, he was like put always. putting up LeBron numbers from the start to finish the whole season. It was so good. Yeah, I I know that the you show know, is. Heavy improv. I'm sorry, hold on one sec. I know the show is heavy improv, but it it literally just feels like they have them written into a scene, like Larry and JB sit at a table and they just riff for ten minutes, and it's just always amazing, always amazing. JB's JB's incredible. Like even the lamp and chain, just the little subtle yes. details that the the nods to all the the jokes that everyone knows and and they're obviously aware of that has legs on social media and stuff. When he showed up in the first episode with the gold lamp and chain, I was like, all right, he's setting the tone for this whole this whole season. Word. Well, Joe, don't you don't, didn't you uh, have an opinion about someone who was in too much too many scenes? Uh, one of my favorite lines. I don't want to get it wrong. One of my favorite lines is when John Hams is like, "Oh, I'm playing Larry in a movie." And what does Richard Lewis say? "Oh, what's the character? Biggest asshole of all time, or something?" <laughs> <laughs> Richard Lewis is hilarious. King of one line, amazing. King of comics. Um, one thing I will say though, and I didn't laugh once. Whenever this person was on the screen, I don't know if it's a hot take. Too much Mocha Joe, man. Too much Mocha Joe fuck, for me. I, fuck Mocha I, Joe. I, it was just, I, it, it didn't hit with me at all. Got a lot of screen time. Mm-hmm. I get the storyline. The storyline was fine. Him, though, as a character or being funny, did not hit with me at all. Yeah, he's a dweeb. Is that, is that, is that even a hot take? Or people have said, like, yo, too much Mocha Joe. Um, I mean, I think he's just, he's like there for you to hate him and he's easily hateable. So I guess it works, you know? Okay. Makes sense. 
Um, but I will say that I do as much as like the show is built on like giving Larry what he deserves. It always pains me to watch him take an L. So I did not like Mocha Joe coming out in, uh, with the W. I that was like that huge L, huge L for him. It's real sad. What well, I mean, what? good Joe. One person we didn't talk about though, Vince Vaughn. I like yeah, the- yeah, filling in for Funkhauser. Yeah, yeah, strong. R.I.P. to the goat. So yeah. What do we think of? What do you guys think of Vince Vaughn? Strong, right? Yeah, strong and strong, but just weirdly very muted for Vince Vaughn. Like he really yes. didn't do much. He's like, you know, you don't really see Vince Vaughn as the straight man all the time. He's got to lay low after his. Uh, uh, oh. He's got to lay low after the national championship game. Jesus. I mean, do we think Larry got the hat from him? Oh, Larry was wearing Vince Vaughn's mega hat? Whoa. Wasn't a a costume designer just slid it off? Jesus. So I I guess we're not going to be able to have Vince Vaughn as a guest on Watch Less. Um, Is even that memorable, though? Like, what? I mean, like. You guys what? bringing up the name just like, oh, shit, yeah, Vince Vaughn actually was in like five or six episodes. I feel like his guest starring role was like as muted and as unforgettable as possible for Curb, which is like celebrated yeah. for these awesome major celebrity cameos. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, 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 I wonder if he it, it seemed I don't want to say it seemed like he was in awe of Larry, but it was definitely like he was just there to, to say, yeah, that's cool. That's cool, too. Yeah, I understand that. But I mean, you know, it could Vince Vaughn can go crazy. And I imagine Vince Vaughn on 10 working at Curb can be a lot. I, I, it feels like it could be a, a make shit more muddy if he's really just trying to to up the ante every time he drops a line. So I don't know. I was okay with it. It probably could have been a little more, though. Probably could have been a little more. Um, was it just me or was there not like Susie was there, but it felt like we still didn't get a lot of Susie as much as we usually do. No, well, maybe that's yeah. why yeah, you got the, one episode about a painting about her. Yeah. But maybe the ugly section is great because it's got a great Susie moment when she yeah. gets seated in the beautiful <laughs> section yeah. and she yeah. fucking snaps <laughs> on Larry. Like, like, bro, that was like her. That was definitely her most memorable moment of the season. But other other than that, I do agree with you, Frazier. Uh, Cal, you got to pull up the audio of her calling me a four year old. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, we'll we'll have to edit that in here somewhere. What a what a classic. What a big. What'd she say? What are you four? Amazing. Um, My hero. We, <laughs> we talked. <laughs> uh, I, I guess you know, side sitting was an episode that people weren't weren't really rocking with. Were there other episodes that people just weren't fucking with for whatever reason? Man, um, side sitting was a total brick. brick. Total yeah. brick. And for having it, it's a second episode was tough because it. I know, it and it raised doubt. Like, exactly. You put in. You you kind of got that doubt. Like the first episode, the premiere was amazing. The mm-hmm. second one, like really a dud, and then you're like, uh oh, and then he righted righted the ship. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, please tell me no one was a fan of the finale though, because I mean, who the who, like? Did you guys actually laugh? Did you guys like really fun enjoyment out of the finale? Not that it was supposed to be some grand finale, but I expected a little bit better than that. I don't know, man. Two things. I um, I definitely screamed when Sean Penn and then later Mila Kunis came. Those are great cameos. Sh- Sean and Penn then- screaming at birds was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. That's like but the then, first time we've uh, seen Sean Penn since the El Chapo thing, right? Like, birds yes. just hopped up. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but from a writing standpoint, I thought the uh, – 
him getting his comeuppance with the fire truck was perfect to me. That, that's like vintage. <laughs> that was curve. funny. Which is the dumbest fucking rule in Los Angeles, by the way. I don't know why the hell you have to pull off to the side of the fucking road to let these goddamn sirens yeah. and ambulances and fire trucks go. Like you can Los still Angeles, drive, they can get around America? you. So I agree. I'm 100% on board with Larry on this. I think it's the dumbest law they have out here in Los Angeles. <laughs> See, I didn't even know that. You're uh, reporting live Angelino for us. Do you think that only in Los Angeles do people pull over for fire trucks? The I mean, maybe in back-ass words, you know, United States, they pull over for fire trucks. But in New York, you keep going about your business. Okay? Fire truck has to get someplace. You have to get someplace. I like that. Here in LA, they want you to pull off the side and, and fucking create accents so these fire trucks can get to a goddamn coffee shop. Fuck out of here with that. Uh, LA and the rest of the world, buddy. I don't know what to tell you. Only well, Adam are going on uh, like fucking first responders during a pandemic. God damn. I think for the finale, I think it wasn't it it wasn't as strong as other episodes in the season. The Big Johnson Club, though, come on, amazing, <laughs> funny. That was oh, good. Yeah. They should have had a scene with with Leon and the Big Johnson Club because that yeah, would have been fucking yeah. high comedy. That would have saved the finale if Larry could have written in a scene with of the Big Johnson Club. What do you want to say, buddy? <laughs> although you know what that did remind me of there's a classic i don't know when the last time you guys saw this episode but there's like a classic episode in like i want to say it's like season like three or four when I, richard lewis or someone is at in, at the uh, urinal next to mugsy bogues and he yep. looks over yep <laughs> crazy oh, sorry. yeah well, so i guess you know it, it probably then makes sense to, to cycle into I don't want to go through our whole soft ranking because, you know, that will be getting updated on the site at some point. But for you guys, where do you guys think season 10 sits? Because I, th- I think it's interesting that Adam didn't like the finale, but he was one of the people that was big on season 10, maybe eking into like that top five position. So where do you guys see it in, in, in the ranking? The thing with Curb, I'll go first. The thing with Curb is and this was me and Angel were talking about, it's so hard to remember what episodes go into what season. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but so it's hard to, it's hard to like break down the seasons in that way. But I would say that season 10 is definitely on the better half of things, I think, because I think Larry really did find a groove. I mean, I might just be a stan. Maybe I like rewatch it all the time, but outside of like the first two seasons, each season kind of has a theme that makes it like a little bit easy to identify what went where. And um, like as much as I did love season 10 a lot, to me, those first like six years, like year six is the year Leon uh, first comes on the show. So like those first six years are so (laughs) tight. If you go back to just any random episode, they're just A plus. And then the year after that is the Seinfeld year. So to me, it's kind of hard to edge into that top seven. Damn. Damn. I agree with Chops. For me, I know you guys are closer to it. I probably couldn't really decipher what episodes, what classic episodes are from what seasons. There's so many of them. Mm-hmm. I do think the sum of this part, the sum of these parts, though, for this season, really, really strong. Top five seasons ever. I think it it may creep into it. Honestly, mm. I think it's a little bit of a Seinfeld thing. Like Seinfeld, I'm a biggest Seinfeld fan. I could name episodes for seasons but you more think of so of episodes rather than whole seasons with that and i think curb kind of falls into that category as well at least in my that's a good point where you have the classic episodes and those really stand out and that's kind of how you see the landscape of the curb empire and i think seinfeld was similar to that i mean i think what's most important is that um he delivered a season that we can still even argue is is going that high this late in the game 
Fact. All, you can ask for. All you can ask for. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'm, it's funny because he, I re- worked at the time when season nine came out. I remember working the pop social accounts and we, there is an image somewhere on my laptop of Larry with the, with the 45 on. And it felt, <laughs> it felt kind of premature for how season nine ended up, but definitely season 10 is, it, that's the, the, the greatest image for season 10. Um, I finally, there's not been any word on if there's a season 11 being picked up. How do we feel about him saying, look, season 10 was lit. Let's do this shit again. I think he'll do it. You have to because he has to tackle coronavirus. Like, let's oh, be my honest. God. Wow. I mean, did you see that fucking sh- shelves and shelves of Purell and Latte Larry's? Yes. He's <laughs> <laughs> the curve already. Forward thinker. He's such <laughs> a forward thinker. He's got to – as soon as this all calms down and, like, it's he's able to get into it, he has to tackle it. Like, bro, there's too much material right now for him not to. Also, like, he's probably writing right now. He's yes. at home. He's probably yeah. writing right now. Like that guy, you know, he keeps a notepad in his in his pocket at all times. And that's when he's like out and about. This guy can't even leave the house. We can't leave our houses. He's definitely he's got some some episodes in the in the on the pad for sure. Facts. Facts. We mentioned the MAGA hat earlier. I'm glad that I'm glad it wasn't a season wide thing, but I thought it was hilarious the way they snuck that in there, and then you would go back to Jeff looking like Harvey Weinstein. Bro. Just great, great jokes, great jokes. He came in very provocative. Yeah, yeah, strong, very, very strong. The thing about him that you know we could give him all the props, but like think of those. For anyone else, those two things are like low hanging fruit, right? Mm-hmm. But the way that he spins it into such like a like an innovative form of comedy, like those two jokes or or storylines around those two things, there's something like anyone could do, and it's such an easy thing to do. But the way that the writing is just so exceptional that it, like it, Jeff looking like Harvey Weinstein is right in front of your face. Did has any of us ever thought about that? Would no. any of us ever no. think about that? No. Just like. That that's like just shows how how good the show and and the writing is. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, because you would you would think on a lot of a lot of different shows, and there's a hell of a lot of comedians that we used to fuck with who are when they drop a joke about MAGA or any of that stuff, they end up being on the wrong side of history. And it's right. it, it's funny to see him be able to take that because he. People were tripping when they heard that he had did the MAGA hat or whatever. But then when you go back and get the receipts, and he's like. If you don't like me and you're rocking a MAGA hat, fuck you. Like I'm not, I'm not concerned with you. So it's good for him to be able to take that shit. And sure, Larry's a piece of shit, and he's able to use that hat to get what he wants. But it's a bigger commentary on how fucked up that whole culture is, just surrounding that 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 red fucking hat. Props to him. Props to him. All right. So since Chops brought it up, I want to go around the room really quickly. Curb has now been on one year longer than Seinfeld did. Uh, let's go around the room. Seinfeld to Curb. I think binge watching Seinfeld still. I think writing and edginess and obviously it has to do with HBO for sure. Mm-hmm. Being on that network, I, I think, and kind of smart smart writing, if that makes sense. I give it to, to Curb. Does that, does that make sense? I think I could like... It's weird because I feel like Seinfeld I could have playing in the background the whole day because I don't have to pay as much attention to every little detail as I do for Curb to miss jokes and how it all like comes together. 
but I think from like a like a, a smart writing comedy sitcom, I give it to Curb. Where? Yeah, I actually agree with that. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I, I I'm not the probably of all the people on on this uh, in this conversation right now, I'm the least Seinfeld stan. I've watched some of it, but I'm not like deep into it like that. But I think even just from what I've seen and then going based off of, you know, running through all of Curb, Curb just speaks to me more than Seinfeld does. I think that's the big drawing card for a lot of what Larry David is, is people see themselves in him, probably the worst parts of themselves. And I, I'm drawn to that more than what's going on with Seinfeld. I would say I I don't know if I can replace Seinfeld as like my like that's my number one always like forever but I will agree with Joe the wit and like the the intelligence of the curb writing is superior to Seinfeld hundred um, percent like the stuff that they're able to do throughout all these years has just been so just monumental for I think television writing in general so I think that's kind of where I fall with it. Curb's impact is never going to equal Seinfeld's cultural impact. Like it just can't for a lot of reasons, you know, because how Seinfeld was delivered to the masses, how people turned into network TV back in the 90s. Like, I mean, shit, everyone talked about Seinfeld like back in the 90s. But also I feel like Seinfeld, like to me, the first two or three seasons like are kind of a wash. Like I don't really give a shit about them and don't particularly enjoy looking back at them. And I enjoy every season of Curb. So it's like, you know, it's like, again, you're weighing things a little bit differently. I think it's 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 idiotic and ridiculous to deny Seinfeld's cultural impact, all the sayings, all the characters, everything. Um, Curb's never going to equal that because it's behind a paywall. It's on HBO. It's a little bit different. But I kind of agree with you guys where the writing is elevated. The, the, the intricacies are, you know, even more so than Seinfeld. And it's a much more complicated but ultimately funnier show in the long run, in my mm. opinion. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a it's a it's a very good point. And I mean, and, it, and it's one of those shows that because it's so adult, like anytime Larry and Susie are on TV, that you you can't play you can't edit that to play that anywhere on regular TV. It's and it's so fucking brilliant. But I think maybe I don't want to say that is to its detriment. I think it's just that you know it's it's probably a lot more slept on for a mass audience compared to Seinfeld, which ran on it, it literally ran NBC for a while. And it was one of the biggest cultural phenomenons at its time. Yeah. Weird. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for us. This conversation, um, you guys keep it locked to the, the, the site complex.com. We will be having a ranking up there eventually. Um, I want to thank Joe chops, Adam, for you guys for coming through load management. If you guys fuck with sports, Tuesdays, Apple Podcasts, sports. sports, or wherever you guys get podcasts. Joe with the guys from the uh, Full Size Run Complex Sneakers Podcast every Friday. Again, Apple Podcasts, wherever you guys get podcasts. Thanks for coming through. All right. So that is what I'm definitely glad we got to. Um, it's always fun to bring the group chat onto the pod pretty much because we've been we've been blinging back and forth about Curb all season pretty much. Yeah. I think When we ideated what this show might be i think that was a big thing was taking those conversations in the text and putting them onto a podcast and that was that's probably the greatest example of that ever again shouts out to uh the guys at load management and joe from uh, the complex sneakers podcast for hopping on really appreciate that yeah, I didn't even realize it because, you know, we're not thinking of it in terms of who's on what podcast, but we actually just kind of uh, came up like the Avengers today, right? 
Big facts. Wait, so with, with is are you Tony Stark then? Uh, Who, who's yeah, which Avenger? No, I think I have like uh you know Tom Holland energy. I think you're you're spy. So I guess I'll have to be Tony Stark. We have to figure out is Joe's Thor. Yeah, Joe or, or, or Captain America. Joe, oh, yeah, Joe, Captain America. Joe, <laughs> Joe is definitely Captain America. I guess for right now, Chops is Hulk. We'll figure it out though. Sounds um, like a Star Lord. Fat, no big facts. Big, he's got that energy. He's, he's in the corner listening to his mixtape and drinking a, a, a fresh latte. He is latte Larry as well. Um, Doctor Strange. <laughs> he does have the hair for that. He could pull that off. That in a cape, a nice cape. No, but yeah, again, shouts out to the squad for uh, for doing that. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as well as our conversation with Taraji P Henson. Again, Coffee and Kareem hits Netflix this Friday. April 3rd. Um, so check that out there. You ain't doing shit else. Uh, as always, if you're rocking with watch less, please every Wednesday, Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcast, tune in, subscribe, comment, rate, whatever you do on these services, do that. Let your people know that you can't get conversations like this anywhere else. You cannot. And you know what? Since we are locked in the crib and have nothing to do, based off that conversation, everyone should be using the the curb void that we're all feeling to go run through the earlier seasons. Because I feel like people are sleeping on a lot of heat from like Facts. seasons one through four. Like, come on, Ben Stiller's birthday. Go watch that right now on HBO. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Again, you have nothing to do. These are half hour seasons or half hour episodes, ten episode seasons. There's really no excuse if you're not working from home or doing anything like that. I'm trying to figure out time to watch Twin Peaks just on some like weirdo shit. But that's another conversation for another day. If you want to hit us up on social media at Complex Pop on Twitter and Instagram, get in the conversation. Let us know what you're rocking with and what you're not, um, because we're always going to be hitting you with that new shit. And as always, for Frazier, I'm Cal advising you to stay inside. Wash your goddamn hands, tune in, and, and watch, watch less. less. Our producer is Taliba Newman. Our sound engineer is Craig Clayton. Mixing done by Jasmine Plata. Watch Less is a production of the Complex Podcast Network. Late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. Yes.